Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Heron Walker, an award-winning freelance journalist who lives in Brooklyn. Her work has appeared in GQ, Esquire, and Out, and she is a longtime Jezebel contributor. And now here's our first letter. Heron, would you read our next letter, please? Um. No, you can't. You can't because it's my turn. Why do I keep doing this? The subject of our next letter is bad hygiene. Dear Prudence, I am madly in love with my boyfriend. Even though it's been somewhat a short time together, we see a future together. He understands me like no one has before, gives me gifts, comforts me when my mental health is flailing, and we've always been attentive and empathetic to each other. However, I've talked to him about his hygiene and he doesn't seem very responsive. I understand habits can be hard to change, but these just seem like pretty simple everyday requirements. He doesn't shower every day because he's usually running late, but he doesn't shower at night or after a workout either, even when he has time to do so. He goes days without brushing his teeth. I've been reminding him morning and night, even going as far as saying, I'm not kissing you until you brush your teeth. It really affects me, you know? Recently, we were about to have sex and he smelled really bad when he removed his clothes. My hygiene isn't impeccable, but I shower every day, sometimes twice if I've been sleeping next to him, and I have good oral hygiene. I tried to give him my point of view as it's a moment for self-care, but that didn't sway him. How do I approach him about this? I feel like he's nearly 30, and it's fair for me to say something because the person kissing me, making love to me, and sleeping in my bed is, well, dirty. Well, first, let me just say that this is um, a humiliating position to be put into. Um, Mm -hmm. Just from this, I've never had this with a partner, but just with like past roommates of just feeling like something as simple as like, they don't know how to do the dishes. And I am asking them to be more attentive when like washing a dish. Because there is food on the, say, like, side of every bowl. And I can't tell if they're not using soap or they're not using a sponge or they're just rinsing it or they're only doing the inside of a bowl and not the full bowl. I don't know. Just things like that where it's just like, it is very humiliating to find yourself in the position of, like, having to essentially become a nag in Mm -hmm. a relationship when it's, especially when it's about something that, like, you've probably talked to them about and or it's something very simple that you don't think that you should have to remind them to do. Um, which is all to say, like, if he can't do this and you need it, like, that's you can break up with this guy. Like, I feel like that's my response to all the letters today. Um, and I swear to God, I actually do maintain relationships in my non-Dear Prudence life. Um, but those relationships I maintain are because, like, the people in my life um, can listen to criticism and acknowledge it and act upon it and um, work to meet whatever we've decided. And like, I'm the same way with them when they have an issue with my behavior or treatment of them. 
Yeah. This, sorry, I'm like overblowing this and making it some like dumb queer politics. He doesn't shower and brush his teeth and that's disgusting and you think it's disgusting and like you're allowed to not date him and let him go find some like, I'm assuming gender, I think, but like let him go find some messy lady who um, doesn't care. I think it's it's very fair to assume gender here. And also I actually edited this down and, and it, the letter writer is a woman. So you, you oh, okay. assumed correctly. Yeah, well, I, mean, I can't is, believe it. You know, she writes about like, <laughs> I even go as far as saying I'm not kissing you until you brush your teeth. Like, wow, what a like small scale version of like Lysistrata that is. Um, that's not like, you're not being, unre- you know what I mean? Like, oh no, I've, I've even gone that far as saying like, you can kiss me after you've brushed your teeth. Like, yeah. that's just saying like, when we kiss, I'd like to enjoy it. Super basic, bare bones, uh, I'm a person too in this relationship. And I don't yeah. think that this is like, oh, you just haven't approached him in the right way. Oh, you just haven't been empathetic enough. Oh, you should imagine a variety of really sad reasons why he might not be showering and brushing his teeth. Assume it's one of those really sad things and then feel a great deal of pity for him. Try to get him diagnosed with something and then do all the work there too until you can like drive yourself into a frenzy, like making this your fault and your problem. And I think it's really, as you said, Heron, just as simple as for whatever reason, this guy decides not to bathe or brush his teeth, despite mm-hmm. it being pretty straightforward and simple. And despite my telling him a lot of times that it's important to me, I can either be in a relationship with someone who I love a lot and who treats me well, but who I have to like come up with daily, like, I don't know, Cicero in the Senate style arguments for why you should brush your teeth today. Does that sound like the kind of relationship that I would like to be in or does it not? And I think you should say it's not. And so I think the conversation would be like, I love you. This hasn't changed. I don't want to be with someone who who does this. Um, and, you know, if that sparks a real and lasting change, great. It probably won't. And then you'll be sad for a little bit. And then the next time you date somebody who does brush their teeth twice a day, you'll be like, oh, it is really that easy. Um, yeah. Um, it's amazing what like dating someone after someone who like, it, it, it's amazing what like after dating someone who is just like needlessly withholding on things you ask for, when you date someone who does all those things without needing to be like nagged and reminded and all these things, you realize that like your demands were never that large. They just were not like a good partner to you and you were not compatible. Sorry, this is changing the tone, but like, I have to say it. I don't want to beat around the bush. Do you think this guy even fucking wipes his ass? Like, no, if he doesn't shower, I doubt he fucking like doesn't have shit on his body 24-7. I'm sorry. You like don't need to date this guy. And and I just like, I, I think one thing I do really want to stress is this is not the sort of situation of somebody writing in who's saying like, I'm having a lot of trouble with my mental health. I'm having trouble taking care of myself. I feel a lot of shame. I need help. I don't know how to ask for it. Um, that's a really different situation. And, and I would have really different advice from somebody who is either in that situation themselves or dating someone in that situation. I think the thing I really want to guard against here is sometimes when there's no indicator that somebody is actually struggling and it's just like he's lazy and careless and thoughtless in this Uh, one area of his life and sometimes not thoughtless in other areas, um, there can be a rush to assume it must be a really sad reason. He must actually need help, even though he's never asked for it or acknowledged in any way that it's a problem. And so what the letter writer needs to do is like manufacture more empathy, more work for him. Um, mm-hmm. And that I think is the wrong move. Like he has not said, I struggle to shower because my self-loathing is at an all-time high or I struggle to shower because I need to talk to a doctor or or a therapist. Like, 
if if that were the case, I'd have a different answer. That's not the case, so I don't have a different answer. Yeah, I assume like sort of a similar um, disclaimer you said in other letters. Like, I assume that if this was related to his mental health or something, the letter writer would have noted that. And since she didn't, I can just assume that it's like she has no real explanation for this because it's as simple as he doesn't like fucking bathing and she does. And you never have to be in a relationship with someone you're that incompatible with. Yeah. Heron, would you read our last letter? Sure. Um, Subject, estrangement boomerang. Dear Prudence, my ex and I had been having trouble in our marriage for years when she threw out that that our daughter, Christy, was not mine, but the result of an affair. Christy was 12 at the time. I went into a spiral during the divorce, got a paternity test, and established that she wasn't mine. While I paid child support, I didn't visit or talk to Christy for months. I started drinking heavily, hit rock bottom, and got help. Christy was 14 when I went back to court since my ex refused to let me see her. Christy was openly hostile and told me she hated me at every opportunity. We tried counseling once a week until she was 17. I tried to make up for those lost two years, but Christy made it clear that I was the villain in the story. When she turned 18, she cut off contact. The only time she wanted to see me was when she needed money for college expenses. She and her mother often fought, and my ex would refuse to give her money. When Christy was 21, she told me that she found her, quote, real father. He was a hundred times better than me, she would say, and she would be changing her last name to his. I acknowledged I made mistakes, but nothing I could do or say made a difference. I gave up hope when my mother died. All she wanted was to speak to Christy again. It didn't happen. I'm finally engaged to a woman I love. Christy is 27 now. I recently found out through an old friend that she's pregnant and has two children I've never met. She's in legal trouble and called me crying, begging for help, calling me dad. I did pay for her bail and covered some of her expenses, but we haven't had a real conversation. Christy will not tell me where her children's father is or her mother or her real father. My fiance is leery of letting Christy back into our lives now. I've spent over a decade trying to keep my daughter in my life, but now I don't know if I should. I love her, but I don't know if my heart can take losing her and my grandsons. Help. So I guess like the one thing about this very sad letter that felt like, oh, I guess good news is this sort of like, I don't think you have to be too worried about letting Christy back into your lives because it doesn't sound like she's going to come back, right? Like she's not telling you anything about where any of the other sort of players in this situation are and she won't have a real conversation with you. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I hate to say it, I think your fiancé's leeriness is a little bit premature. Like, I think maybe it's more like my fiancé's worried that I'm getting my hopes up or I'm going to try to to make things work again with Christy. But it it really seems like Christy came back because she needed money. And now that she has it, she will not be calling you dad again. Does that seem true to you? I think so. I think that... um it's like it am i misreading the letter when it i i say that to me it sounded like he has not seen christy he's just had phone conversations with her yeah in a long time or yeah. was there a mention of okay okay so like i do think ultimately like she doesn't really pose a threat it's more the emotional weight behind her presence that makes it feel like she poses a threat um i think if you can maintain I think maybe like figure out what is a healthy boundary for you with this 
daughter of yours who is also kind of not your daughter in like an emotional sense. I don't mean like a biological paternity test sense. I'm, I'm not like endorsing that as like a means of figuring out who someone's parent is. But um, just emotionally, it sounds like, you know, you haven't been in each other's lives for, for years. And so it's really murky. Um, I think just figure out what kind of relationship you want with her. And if it seems like something you want to try and talk to her about, go for it. But also, it doesn't seem like she's trying to do that. Um, I think you can decide what's healthy for you and act accordingly. Yeah. And then if you feel like it is your responsibility to financially support her if she needs help or is in trouble again, then like you can do that. It's like almost just like donating to a GoFundMe or something. It doesn't mean you necessarily know the person, but I think that's I think that's probably the most useful direction the letter writer can go in. Like I don't want to spend too too much time pulling apart what he did when Christy was a child. Um just in part because that is the one thing he can't change. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I guess that I would say a couple of things. One is that, like, you say, letter writer, that you started drinking and you hit rock bottom and you got help. I don't know if that has involved anything like 12-step recovery groups, but you might find AA meetings or something similar to AA helpful around this because they think a lot about how do you go about making amends to someone you've hurt in a way that does not compound the hurt and in a way that's not about getting them to like you again. So there's there's a lot of collective experience and potential wisdom there. Um, and it might be helpful, you know, there's a lot of people in AA who are estranged from their kids or partly estranged for their kids and are trying to find a balance between if it's possible to try to make something wrong, I did, if not right, at least to try to make amends in in some ways. And I also don't want to put myself in a position where I'm being like, endlessly caught on a cycle of like punishment and recrimination because I feel guilty and I think I deserve it because I don't think that would actually help either of you with the the ways in which you have suffered. So yeah, I would say look for the healing and the clarification about what you can try to make amends for and what you can't through either AA, a program like AA, therapy, support groups, uh, you know, any anything along those lines. And then also make sure that your fiance is a part of that because I don't think she should be dictating your choices around what you do or don't want to try with your sort of, da- I don't want to say sort of daughter. Like I understand that for you, this is complicated. I don't want to like mm-hmm. diminish her choices around her own parentage either. But anyways, this is your relationship or non-relationship. And I want you to feel like you can welcome your fiance's input. And if she says like, this takes up too much time in our relationship and I want you to like get some help with it elsewhere, I want you to listen to her. But it is also okay for her to say, I don't want you to have anything to do with her and for you to say, that's not something I'm willing to do and to have a fight about that. Yeah. Yeah, if you you feel like you really can't take losing her and your grandsons, that might be some information because- I, I, it just does not sound likely to me that she's going to introduce you to the grandkids anytime soon. And so I, I do think you need to actually say that's probably what's going to happen no matter what, such that any connection with the grandsons would, would need to be a surprise, really. Like, I won't say like a pleasant surprise, like, oh, how nice, but like, I don't think you can expect it. And like, maybe also something to consider just on your end is like, spend some time thinking about like, okay, what, how would I respond if Christy made a direct ask to, ew, sorry, oh my God, I got laid off months ago and I'm still using like weird like 
um, corporate language, making like a direct ask to um, re-engage, just like to circle back on your um, mother or father daughter relationship. Um, no, 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 no more, no more. I can't. I'm think. sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so, if Christy, like, just spend some time thinking about how you would respond if Christy did ask to rebuild the relationship that you two have have not had for for decades now or a de- I can't do math I'm just a girl um maybe can't read can't do math double threat baby um just think about how you would respond to that what that would mean for you what would that would look like what would be a healthy way of reengaging if that is something you want to do um just like give as much consideration to any possible outcome of her being or not being in your life so that like you don't just like let I guess passive gut reactions take the wheel because <laughs> um, that's how you end up like sort of in over your head and like unsure if you you're like hurting yourself by by not intentionally renegotiating this relationship and those boundaries. Right, because I mean, what I would want for this letter writer is to be able to strike some sort of balance between like when Christy was twelve, I like devastated her by taking out something that was not her fault against her. I want you to be able to like hold that truth and feel the weight of it. Um, And I also don't want you to feel like, and then therefore the only way that I can redeem myself or think of myself as a different kind of person now or make it up to her is by letting her punish me endlessly. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that that would be the right response either. So maybe the next move again is to first try the support group, the AA, the therapy, maybe all of the above, you know, um, without her, that is just you trying to figure out what can I take ownership of? What don't I want to take ownership of? What do I want? What do I think I'm likely to get? What am I afraid of losing, et cetera? Uh, and get some of those mm-hmm. things sorted out. And then you can maybe try to contact Christy through whatever means are available to you and to just say, um, I want to have some kind of a relationship with you. I don't have high expectations of like, I want to insist on this or that, but I would love to be able to be in some sort of contact with you. If you want to talk through a therapist, if you want to let the past alone for a while, if there's something that I can do or say that would help establish some new trust, maybe like something that's not like, oh, I want to rebuild our old relationship. It's just like, forget about parent-child stuff. I would just like to maybe talk once or twice a year and hear how you're doing and maybe say hi to the kids. Do you think that that's possible? And if you get no response, I think you can take that as a no. And -hmm. if you get a very complicated response or a response where it feels like she's not sure what she wants from you, you know, that you can kind of take to your your other forms of support and and ask for guidance and think about what you want to do next. But I I think maybe that would be the move. It's just like, I'm not going to try to lean on I'm your dad or I'm not your dad. I just want to... I want to know if you think we can try to be friendly. And and that would include maybe listening to other things that you maybe weren't prepared to hear when she was 17 or 18 and you felt like was just calling you a villain. But maybe all she really has to say is just like, I need you to hate yourself and give me money. And you might need to say to that, even though I hurt you as a child and I'm so sorry and I would do anything to change it, I also can't give you what you are asking for now. And that's... Oh, that's hard. That's a really hard thing to say to somebody. And again, I think that's part of why I wanted you to try all those different forms of support is because that is going to be very difficult to do. 
I don't know if I have any more thoughts here. Do you? No, um, it just sounds it sounds like a hard hard position to be in, and um, I, I think the I think you've you've given the letter writer some great advice. It's funny. I feel like I was really like kind of strict earlier with people who had definitely not done as intense a, a wrong thing as this letter writer, and I like yeah. exhausted all of my sort of. Frankly, I was showing off to impress you because you're so pretty. You can't read. Um, oh, thank you. Look at just um, blaming a woman for my problems. Trans people are so sexist, Taryn. It's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> sound by that. Yeah. Like, but yeah, trans people I are think, sexist. It's true. It's true. I just, no, I think the um, thing that felt meaningful to me about this last letter is, you know, I, I, I think that there's a real way for this letter writer to, um, even if you can't make things right with Christy, maybe, you know, again, this is something that people talk about in AA is the idea of a living amends. Like, what are ways that you could safely attempt to support people who need to get sober, um, mm-hmm. help uh, other parents who are struggling with raising their kids that they want to ignore, you know? Um, how do you help kids whose parents have neglected them? Are there organizations you can give money to that you can volunteer with such that you can yeah. feel like, I'm living my life on a really different basis. I can't undo the past, but I can at least help out other people who are in similar situations from making those same painful, painful mistakes that I made. That might be good. It also, I mean, just, I I, I didn't get like any inconsistency from your responses um, between this and the other letters, mostly because like this one, it's like the wrongs that that he had done to her were like 15 years ago. And so it's kind of like, how do we... How 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 do we like advise someone on feeling properly bad about something that he did? Like it's not that's not the problem at hand anymore. It's kind of like backstory mm-hmm. versus like some of the other questions that we were getting were about ongoing issues that are like conflicts that are occurring right at this moment. Yeah. Anyway, because I'm pretty sure this guy feels bad about the shit that he did to Christy. Like we don't have to tell him that. Yeah, I think he's pretty aware that what he did was wrong, and it also seems like he wasn't capable of being a good father at that time. And I guess I would just say like, it can just really be true that you feel awful and you wouldn't do that today. And it might also mean that Christy just can't forgive you. That was a really formative time in her life. And that doesn't mean that then all you can do is hate yourself the rest of your life. But it, it, you know, it just may be one of the sad things about like, you can grow and change and live your life differently. And it doesn't mean that everyone's going to forgive and like you again. Um, and that's one of the really difficult things I think about sobriety is is that sense of, but I'm different um, or I want to be different um, or what's the point of doing this if everyone isn't here for me? And and that can be really, really painful and hard. And and yet I think there's there's real room for, for this person to get a lot of help and, and a lot of avenues for growth. And I want that. I want that for everyone. Even the letter writers, I was a little bit snitty to. You are all doing your best. It's been a very difficult year. It's been hard. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 